With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unleavened Bread Ministries presents Hidden Manna for the End Time with your host, David Eels. Hello friends, this is David Eels. God bless you and thank you for joining us. Uh, we have some very important revelations to share with you that were shared with me over the last 30-something years, uh, sometimes in word of knowledge or word of wisdom. They are very, I'll say, untraditional, but you should expect that in these days. Um, the traditions of men have been making of no effect the Word of God. And uh, these revelations will help you to cooperate with God in the time to come in manifesting His Son in you and in understanding the things that are going on around you and the great purpose that God has for these end times. May God give you eyes to see and ears to hear so that these will be a great blessing unto you. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You may hear some things here that um, are not fitting with your traditions. God bless you. Part 10, Hidden Prophecies of the End Times. Jesus is coming as the latter rain, and He's coming in the man-child. And then He's coming in the disciples. And they are going to pass this gospel on to many others who are going to receive it too. And And... This thing is just going to keep on multiplying all the way up until the end when God comes for a spotless and blemishless bride. Let me show you something else. I can prove what I'm saying to you here. Look in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah 5 and verse 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, which art little to be among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall one come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. That's Jesus, right? Of course. We recognize Jesus. That's Jesus when He came at Bethlehem. Okay? Uh, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Okay? But look at the next verse. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. I hear some pages still going. Okay? Micah 5 and verse 2. Verse 3. Therefore will He give them up. There it is again. Therefore will he give them up until she who travaileth hath brought forth. Wow. The Lord has given up Ephraim and Israel until she who travaileth hath brought forth. The man-child comes. He's giving them up until the man-child is born. Revelation chapter 12. That's where the man-child is born.
And then the residue of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Who were Jesus' brethren? The Jews, right? But they're not the children of Israel. Did you understand? They are not Israel in the New Testament. We are Israel in the New Testament. An Israelite is one whose circumcision is of the heart and not in the flesh. Do you understand? We have been grafted in. They have been broken off of the olive tree. It's us. Now, what, that, what has to happen is they have to return to the children of Israel. His brothers have to return to the children of Israel. That's going to happen. See? When the man, after the man-child is born and he restores a leadership for the church, a remnant is going to return. A remnant of physical Jews is going to return to the church. You follow me still? Okay. Um, let's read on down a little bit. And he shall stand and feed his flock. Wow. Who's he talking about here? You say, well, the man-child? Yeah. But Jesus too. It's Jesus. It's Jesus and the man-child that's going to do the works, right? We're nothing. That's just flesh. You know, I mean, it's Jesus. Jesus is going to feed in the man-child. Like Jesus, in the, as the first man-child, fed his flock. Can you imagine how hungry those people were? They hadn't had anything in a long time. I mean, all that dried up Pharisees and Sadducees stuff is all they were eating on, you know. And finally, they got some food. And feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. This time, in the man-child ministry, Jesus will lose no fame. Everybody will either fear him or love him and respect him. But from then to the end of the earth, He's going to be great this time. And He is going to cover the globe with the gospel. Okay. And this man shall be our peace. When the Assyrian shall come into our land, when he shall tread in our palaces. Why does He use the Assyrian here? The Assyrians passed, their kingdom passed away 650 years before Jesus was born. But now we're talking about the end time man child. You know why? Because every one of those beasts is still alive today in a corporate body called the beast, which is inhabited by spirit from the pit, the Bible says. Okay, So that beast is still with us. Why does he use that beast in our day? Because there's something peculiar about the Assyrian beast that he wants us to understand. Let me tell you what was peculiar about this beast when it conquered Israel. Okay, Because this beast conquered all of the northern ten tribes, that's those who worship the image of the beast. Remember the golden calf? Okay. Conquered all the northern ten tribes. Conquered Judah. Took them away captive. Killed them. So on and so forth. But when they came up to Zion, God smote 185,000 of them. And they died. And they figured they better leave Zion alone. So that was it. They backed off from Zion. They were not able to conquer Zion. They were not able to conquer Zion. Zion represents some people. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But let me point something else out to you. Um, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise up against him seven shepherds and eight principal men, or eight princes among men. Okay, Seven shepherds. Jesus raised up twelve shepherds, didn't he? For twelve tribes. Why would the man-child raise up seven shepherds? The seven churches. He's sending a leadership to the seven churches. This is what it's talking about. Uh, we have this same truth in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. 
John was a type of the man-child. John was caught up to the throne like Jesus and like the man-child in Revelation 12. John was caught up to the throne of God. And John got a revelation. He got actually got two pretty good revelations. <laughs> he got one of the, the end time, and he got another one of the state of the church. He got these two revelations. And he was told, by the way, John said, I... You, I, John, your brother, 1 and 9, Revelation 1 and 9, uh, and partaker with you in the tribulation. Partaker with you in the tribulation. That's a type and a shadow, you see. John represented the end time man child. And he was a partaker in the tribulation, but he was caught up to the throne and he was given this revelation. And he was told to give this revelation to seven angels who were to give it to the seven churches. Remember? Except I, 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 I'd like you to think about my interpretation here, okay? My interpretation is, in the New Testament, the word angelos is interpreted both to be ministers and ministers sent on earth and ministers sent from heaven. Messengers, excuse me, messengers. But in the New Testament, ministers are also messengers. In fact, they are, the word angelos is used of them. And like Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 9, ministers are called the same thing, angelos. Now, you know, when Jesus raised up 12 disciples, He sent them to the 12 tribes. When the man-child raises up seven shepherds, He's sending them with that message to the seven churches. I'm not saying there's seven physical shepherds. I'm talking about a leadership for the seven churches. We're talking about corporate bodies of people here, you see. But... These are not angels that we're talking about here, not the kind that come from heaven. These are the kind that are being sent forth on earth. We, we don't give messages to angels to give to the church. Right? The Lord gave him a message to send by seven messengers to the church. The same thing we just got through reading, the seven messengers, the seven, um, seven uh, groups of ministers that are going to go and restore the church. The decide, why did Jesus pick such a small group of people? He was looking for... Quality and not quantity, right? He, was look, he wanted to reproduce himself perfectly in 12 men who would then do the same thing with other groups, you know, and it would just expand. He was really, really looking for perfection here, you see. And um, even one of them there, he chose one of them to be the son of perdition. He knew what he was going to do, but he chose him anyway. And among, among the disciples today, there is that same son of perdition. Okay? Um, let me point out to you, remember the other day I was speaking about transparencies, taking different revelations and sliding them over one another so that you can see a deeper and deeper revelation? The man-child is this way. There is no place in the Bible you can get all of the truth about an end-time character in one place. It's spread a little here and a little there. It's kind of like the Gospels. You know how the Gospels are? You ever seen a Gospel parallel? A Gospel parallel is when they put them all in all the Gospels in one place so you can read without any verses missing that's in this gospel, you know, and they put them all in one place, okay? And what I'd like to do with you today is, is uh, share with you that there are many man-childs in the Bible that are the same way. I'm writing a book right now, um, Hidden Manna for the End Times is the name of it. It's about 400 pages right now, but it takes a lot of cleaning up and so on and so forth. And there I, I mention all these man-childs and little peculiarities that each little peculiarities that each one adds to the revelation of the end-time man-child. And um, if you take them and you slide them over one another, you get the full revelation. It's the only way that tells, it's the only thing that tells the whole story. 
God designed the Bible so that you would have to seek it out, right? It's the glory of God to conceal a thing and the glory of kings to seek it out. You can't get the revelation from revelation because it's not all there. And it's not all in Daniel. And it's, and it, but it is in all of these characters, okay? There are characters like Joseph, who was a type of Jesus, who was also a type of the man-child. And Joseph had uh, preserved the church through seven years of famine, didn't he? He brought them through all those seven years. You know, that was a type of the last seven years. Okay, um, another example: Moses. Moses was one of the clearest man-childs. Tells an awful lot about the ministry of the man-child. Tells you some things that the gospels do not tell. The story in the gospels do not tell. Okay, Moses. Um, Moses went through his own wilderness. Like Jesus, he went for 40 years through his own wilderness. Jesus went for 40 days through his own wilderness. That was because they had to go through their wilderness to be perfected, to be able to bring it back to the people of God. The wilderness is a place where God matures his people and he causes them to grow up, you see. And Jesus had to be tried by the devil. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He had to be tried. And he had to be an overcomer in order to have authority. You don't become an overcomer you don't, become, you don't receive authority without being an overcomer. You can go to Bible school and you can buy that certificate and you can go out and be the leader of the church, but that doesn't mean God put you there. What the Lord wants is to send people who are overcoming. That's His plan. Okay. Um, so Moses went through his wilderness and he was sent back to bring the people of God through the same wilderness to the same mountain. And by the way, if you ever looked at it on a map, when Moses came up to that mountain, it was ag- exactly halfway to the promised land. The first time they entered the promised land, they entered it from the south. Okay, It was exactly halfway to the promised land. Well, if you take the ministry of Jesus, Jesus taught for three and a half years. The man-child taught for three and a half years in, in Revelation chapter 12. And... There were seven years there before the saints went to the promised land. We've been looking at that, you know. We were looking at that early this morning. There were seven years. Three and a half years was halfway through the promised land. At the end of three and a half years, Jesus was glorified. When Moses went to that mountain, halfway to the promised land, he was glorified. He went up on the mountain, you remember? His face glowed. And he had to put a veil on his face because he was scaring everybody. (laughs) You know what the veil represented? Hebrews tells us that the veil was flesh. You know, because nobody really knows you. They, all they can see is the veil. All they can see is your flesh. They don't know who lives in that person. We're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. How come we're waiting for them to be manifest? Because they're hidden behind flesh. And they're going to be manifested, you see. Well, that's the way Moses was. Moses this veil, he put this veil on his face, and then he did something that you don't think Jesus did. He went with them the rest of the way to the promised land on the earth. Think about that. He went the rest of the way with them. Well, are we missing something about Jesus? We are missing something about Jesus. We think that Jesus only had a three and a half year ministry. That's not true. Let me point something out to you. After Jesus. By the way, it was Jesus was born in 4 B.C. and he was actually resurrected in 30 A.D. It wasn't 32, it was 30 A.D. Well, that left exactly 40 years before the beast destroyed the harlot. Now, we know that's going to happen in the book of Revelation, right? Exactly 40 years. What's 40 the number of? 
trial. God sent Moses after he was glorified for 40 years through the wilderness. 40 years through the wilderness. And he told him that each one of those years was for a day. A day. Jesus ministered for 40 days after his resurrection, which represented the time between his death, burial, and resurrection and the end of the age. You know how we know that? Because he told his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you unto the end of the age. Spiritually speaking, Jesus walked with those disciples all the way to the end of the age exactly like Moses did. You see what I'm talking about? About you can't take it in one spot. Other parts will give you revelations. I mean, because I asked the Lord, when I saw this about Moses, I said, well, how does this fit, Lord? Jesus left after three and a half years. He said, no, he didn't. And then he pointed that out to me. See, In a type, the 40 days ministry of Jesus, which he said was in flesh and bones, Um, the 40 days ministry of Jesus was to bring them all the way to the end of the age and into the promised land. You see? The man-child's ministry is going to be like that. See, people, some people take the man-child ministry and say, aha, there is a pre-tribulation rapture. There he is. He's flying away. No, you know what? Let me tell you something. I went through this. The Lord took me to the throne of God. I went to the mountain of Moses. Okay? In fact, I went twice. And the Lord took me in a vision because He wanted to explain this to me so I could explain it to you. And um, I better not go through the whole story. I better tell the whole story. (laughs) I'm going to share with you a revelation of how the Lord took me in vision to the mountain of God or the throne of God. If you remember in the the type of the man-child in which Moses fulfilled... When he was caught up to the throne into the presence of God, it was upon a mountain that was on the earth. Remember that? And yet he foreshadowed Jesus being caught up to the throne of God, the man-child being caught up to the throne of God. What is this throne? I want to share with you something that really helped me because at first I was mistaken like like we generally are until God clears things up with us, you know. He took me to this throne. He took me to this mountain. Okay? One time it was very, very clear what the throne represented. And in this revelation, I suddenly appeared on top of a mountain in vision. And I experienced it. And uh, on the top of this mountain, I looked down the side of this mountain and I saw a road going down the side of this mountain. And down the center of this road was a trench cut in the earth that was deep. And I was in a car. You know, after I inspected this, I discovered that I was in a car. And I had one set of tires on one side of the trench and one set on the other side of the trench. And I was going down the side of this mountain. And I had to steer very carefully down the side of this mountain in order that two wheels wouldn't fall off in the trench and stop my progress, right? You remember when... um, Remember when Joshua was told by the Lord, you know, to not turn to the right and not turn to the left so that he would have good progress in taking the promised land? Well, we're taking a promised land here. You know, it's not that kingdom of heaven. It's this one right here. We have a promised land that that has enemies in it, and we are conquering them with the edge of the sword, which is the word of God. We're conquering a promised land here. 
And uh, because this land has been promised to us, okay? And uh, he, he talked about the Christians as, as the land that had drunk the rain. If it brings forth thorns and thistles, it's nigh unto a curse. And he was talking about Christians, okay? Because we are that land. In another form, this is the land. It's the promised land. Every place you put the sole of your feet on that land, he's going to give it to you. This is the promised land. Got it? God's got a lot of parables, and uh, they're beautiful. I love them all. Um, at any rate, when I was steering very carefully down the side of this mountain, I got to the bottom. I'll just tell you what the Lord told me about that mountain. That mountain represents the kingdom of the world. You know, God has a kingdom. It's a mountain. And um, mountains in the Scriptures, uh, the seven mountains in Revelation 17 are seven kingdoms, you know. And um, those kingdoms have already passed and are coming all the way up to our day. And the kingdom of God is a mountain. The stone that was cut out of the mountain rolled down and struck the image of the beast in the feet and destroyed all of it together, all the way up to the head. In our day, that's going to happen, you see. The mountain there was the kingdom of God. It's very real. It's not physical. The kingdom doesn't come with observation, does it? You can't see it, but it is real. It's real in the spirit realm. You understand? The kingdom is here. We, uh, we are New Testament Israel. We even have a, a New Testament mountain that's Mount Zion. And the Bible teaches that, and it also teaches that we have a New Jerusalem okay, on top of that Mount Zion. I'll get to that. When I got to the bottom of this mountain and I was in this valley, I suddenly got a revelation, and I felt it just all through my being that now I had enemy everywhere. Enemies everywhere. You know, if you humble yourself to the world and you die to the world and you don't turn to the right and you don't turn to the left, but you stay strictly in, in, on God's path, you will have enemies in the church, you will have enemies in the world, you'll have enemy everywhere. And that's what makes enemies. Jesus had plenty of enemies and his disciples did too, so much that they killed him, right? Well, I, I, I had this revelation now that I had a lot of enemies, but not, but that wasn't all. I saw some tools. When I got into this valley, I saw some tools underneath a bush. And these tools were drenched in oil. And they were hammers and screwdrivers and wrenches and so on and so forth. I saw them in other visions, these same tools. And the Lord revealed to me that what these tools represented was the power to bind and loose. The authority to bind and loose. Now we all have the authority to bind and loose, don't we? What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The Lord has given us authority, and we most of us haven't scratched the surface of it, you know. But um, the authority to bind and loose is useless unless you have humbled yourself, lost your life in this world, come down off of the kingdom of the world, and you're starting to ascend the kingdom of God, right? It's totally useless. It's like giving a gift to somebody that, well, how do I use that, you know? Uh, well... I picked up these tools that were drenched in oil, which represented the power of the Holy Spirit. I turned to the right, and I went up another mountain. And this mountain was Mount Zion. It's not the physical Mount Zion, you know, where the physical Jews are in bondage, you know, and uh, most of them aren't even religious and don't know God and don't want to know God. They're just atheists, you know. It's not that mountain. This is the, the New Testament Mount Zion. And I, I climbed this mountain which Paul said about, talked about this mountain in Hebrews chapter 12. We can look at that. Climbed this mountain. At the top of this mountain, there was the New Jerusalem. And um, I went through these 
doors. I saw Jesus sitting on his throne. I walked over to Jesus and I sat down in him, with him in that throne. And I was talking to him like you, I mean, you, you can do this in a vision, but I would have probably been jumping up and down, pulling my hair out if it was physical, but I could, I did this in a vision and I saw Jesus and I was talking to him. We were carrying on a conversation. I heard a noise behind me while I was sitting there with Jesus. Now you remember what the Bible says, to him that overcometh, I will give to sit down with me in my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. The throne is given to overcomers. To him that overcometh, I will give authority over the nations. You know what Jesus had when he was living in this earth? He had authority. The Jews were jealous of his authority. He had authority. Not to do the kind of things that they wanted. He didn't want their kind of authority. They had physical authority. They oppressed the people. They were lords over God's heritage, and he wasn't interested in that. See, that's not the kind of authority he wanted. He wanted authority over the kingdom of the devil. He wanted to destroy the works of the devil. He wanted to rule over the beast in their heart. You know, He didn't want to rule over the Roman Empire. They thought, hey, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to us now? Everything they saw was flesh, and he saw it as spirit, you see. It, that wasn't his interest, okay? But he had authority, okay? Well, sitting down with the, the Lord in his throne is a, an expression of authority. You now have his authority, okay? Do we have his authority now? Yes, but it's really not useful until you overcome. You know, you, your Bible says if your heart condemns you, if our heart condemns us not, we have boldness towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, that makes authority useful if you're walking with the Lord. It makes it useful and powerful. But a gift given to somebody that, that's not walking with the Lord, they don't know what to do with it. They can't, their heart won't even permit them to take hold of it, you see. So, but the experience that I had when I was sitting in the throne is I heard a noise behind me. And I turned to look and see what this noise was, and I saw a bunch of people trying to come into the throne room another way. It was like they were trying to come through a window. Did you ever read that in John chapter 10? You know, Jesus said that, that um, he was the door, and the only way to the sheepfold was through the door. Uh, he said, but these Pharisees and Sadducees had come up another way. They didn't go through the door. See, to go through the door, you have to do it the way I did it. In the vision. I'm not saying I'm anybody. I'm not saying I'm arrived. The Lord gives you a vision for, for teaching purposes, okay? I hope to be in that vision one day, okay? So, um, so, so today what we have is the same situation. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to a position of authority over God's people, which was the throne. See, David's throne was the authority over God's people, okay? And, um, that's what this was, the throne of David that Jesus was sitting on in the New Jerusalem. He rules the throne now. He is David. Okay, And um, so these people coming up another way, the Lord said to me, he said, don't worry about them. He said, they can't come in here. That's what he told me. Don't worry about them. They can't come in here. They will not receive that authority from that throne unless they come through the door. He said, they're all thieves and robbers. You know what? There are many people. That wasn't talking about the devil. Go back and read it. It's talking about the ministers who were thieves and robbers. You know why? They stole the position of authority over God's people that was not given to them by God. You know, when the, when the northern ten tribes worshipped the image of the beast, 
They also made ministers that were not Levites. You know what that means? Ten out of twelve tribes have ministers that are not Levites today. How did they get there? All you got to have is a little money and go to Bible school. You know? How much did Jesus charge to make ministers? He didn't charge a thing, did he? It's all free and it's all grace. But he trained up these ignorant fishermen. For goodness sake, you should, he would have gone, certainly would have, should have gone to the nearest Bible school, right? No, he would have ended up with a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees. You know? Now, I'm not saying that some of y'all might have went through Bible school, and that's fine, because, because the Apostle Paul did too. And uh, the Apostle Paul, God had to prove he could do it with the Apostle Paul. You know that? He was the exception of the rule, but God had to prove, look, I can make, I can make a leader out of a theologian. This series by David Eels will be continued on our next broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. For more information and materials, go to www.americaslastdays.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.